you know, we can't do anything about six months from now. We've got to go day by day. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. We play in New Jersey, man, so there's going to be some chippiness, there's going to be some griminess, but we're leaving it within the line, and I'll take a team like that. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, of the record, NorthJersey.com, and the aforementioned USA Today Network. It is episode five, and as promised last week, a big, big week for All In. On today's show, an exclusive interview with the two-time Super Bowl MVP, Eli Manning. Yep, we're all fired up. Had a chance to spend about 30 minutes with Eli earlier this week. It's a significant week for number 10. Gets his jersey number retired on Sunday at halftime of the New York Giants and Atlanta Falcons game at MetLife Stadium. Also, his name will appear in the Ring of Honor. So a prestigious week for someone well-deserving. And I had a chance to meet with Eli. We talked about a variety of topics from football, family, commercials, TV shows that he'd binge watch. He played along, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. We're pretty proud of the product that will end up spilling out over the next 30 or so minutes on this week's edition of All In. So... Before I jump into our game preview, because the game matters, Giants-Falcons both 0-2, I want to give a special thanks to our producer extraordinaire, Paul Wood. He's been with me since the start of this show, working behind the scenes. A lot of the fun stuff you see on social, that's all Paul, and he's put together a lot of the audio stuff that we have on the show every week. So tip of the cap to Paul. Great working with him and building this show from the ground up. We're not going to do a behind frenemy lines this week because I just think the more Eli, the merrier. And I think the Giants would probably say that as well over the course of his 16-year career. I'll be able to provide the necessary details that I think you'll want to know about the Falcons going into this week's game. And we'll return back to next week with someone who covers the Saints Working on that guest now, so we'll figure that out and then obviously roll that out for episode six. Giants and the Falcons. Now, obviously, I know this has been a difficult week for the Giants fans. The hardest part about the whole thing coming out of Washington is the fact that if Dexter Lawrence is not whistled for being offsides, we're talking about a one-on-one football team and a team that's very much alive in the NFC East coming off the best game of Daniel Jones's career and how Saquon Barkley looks like he's finally rounding into form, especially with a good amount of time off in between games. He gets that extra three-day push and you go in to the game against the Falcons sitting there at 1-1 one and one rather than 0-2. Oh now, obviously, it's revisionist history. That's not what happened. Dexter Lawrence was called for offsides on a field goal that Dustin Hopkins pushed to the right. Washington got another opportunity. Five yards closer, Hopkins nailed the kick, and the Giants left with a 30-29 to loss, heading back on the train, back up to North Jersey. And seemingly the ceiling is now under tremendous weight of this season that was supposed to be much better than the last eight out of nine years. Yep, that's right. You heard me right. I know you feel it, but the numbers make it hang out there a little bit heavier. Eight of the last nine years, the Giants have started the season 0-2. And, you know, only two of those seasons belong to Joe Judge. You know, that's the hard part here, is that Joe Judge is being judged, no pun intended, by the missteps of Pat Shermer, who was judged by the missteps of Ben McAdoo. McAdoo was fired after two years, Shermer was fired after two years, and now Judge two games into his second year. I'm not hearing any whispers from the inside. The organization still believes in Joe Judge, but for a fan base that it has to deal has had to deal with 
the losing and the frustration and finding ways to lose games that you should have won. Everything just kind of blends together. And I think that's the hard part when you're dealing with the Giants right now is that you're trying to come up with ways to separate the losing. And for a fan who's emotionally invested, that's not easy. And for the media that is paid and expected to judge week to week of what the Giants are doing, it's hard to forget the past. I find myself, I've been on the beat since 2011, I find myself falling backward and thinking about losses. I made the comparison on Thursday night. It felt a lot like the Thursday night game from last year in Philadelphia. When Darius Slayton dropped the touchdown pass on Thursday night, my mind immediately went back to the pass that Evan Ingram dropped down the left sideline that would have sealed the win over Philly down at the link. It's hard for a fan to do to not think that way. It's hard for someone in the media who's covered it for as long as I have not to revert back to the crushing losses. That field goal splits the upright by Hopkins, and all I think about are the previous kicks that have buried this Giants team. The one in Carolina by Graham Gano, two in Philly by Jake Elliott, the one down with Nick Falk in Tampa Bay. It's, it goes on and on and on when you're losing, and it's very hard to break the cycle. So now the Giants try to refocus, re-energize their season. They're only one game back in the in the standings in the NFC East. Cowboys had a huge win in Los Angeles over the Chargers. Debatable, controversial, the way that ended. I certainly did not think Justin Herbert was in the grasp. Basically knocked them out of a chance to score a touchdown at the end of the game, and then the Cowboys win the game on a field goal. Philly loses at home to San Fran. Now, this week, the Eagles and the Cowboys are on Monday night. Washington has to go up to Buffalo which certainly got back on track by blowing out the Dolphins. Odds are two of those three teams are going to come away with losses this week. The Giants don't want to be a third. You can't go to 0-3. You go to 0-3, and now you're in, you're in deep. Because then you have to go on the road against the Saints and the Cowboys. Both winnable games, but not going to be easy, especially on the road. So... We look forward to this game now. I'll break it down after our Eli interview. And when you consider the Giants on Thursday night, right after their game against Washington, they were one and a half point favorites at home against the Falcons, who were winless at the time. And at that time, my instant reaction was go run and and give those one and a half points. But now you get closer to the game and you start seeing Atlanta is probably looking at the Giants as the get right game. Giants need to get right against the Falcons, but the Falcons need to get right against the Giants. And that's what makes this game so intriguing. So we will break down that game in a later segment. But at this point, I want to bring you a message from our friends at Tipico. Giants, three-point favorites now. The line has gone up. It went up to three and a half. Now it's dropped to three. And the Giants are favored at home and favored for the first time this season. Tipico Sportsbook, a global sports betting leader, is now live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. For a limited time, new users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply, 21 and over. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's USA Today, bet.com slash podcast. You know, when we started this show and started brainstorming ideas and guest ideas we'd want to have, one of the guests at the top of the list that we thought would be a home run would be Eli Manning. And I think I actually said to my boss, Dave Rivera, imagine if we can get Eli the week that he's going into the Ring of Honor and they're retiring his number at halftime against the Falcons. We both kind of laughed and we said, man, that would be great. Well, five shows in, we made it happen. 
Eli Manning was kind enough to join me for a lengthy interview on Monday, really right before he, he went on the air with Peyton on their Manning cast for Monday Night Football, which has been hilarious. I don't know if any of you have watched it, but I don't think I can watch Monday Night Football the same without having Peyton and Eli kind of provide the backdrop uh, and the the soundtrack for, for Monday Night Football now. You know, and I said to Eli two weeks ago when the Giants opened the season at home, I had the opportunity to be with him uh, outside the Legacy Club. They were doing a ribbon-cutting ceremony to celebrate the rebranding, if you will, of the Legacy Club between the Giants and Hackensack Meridian Health. And, of course, Eli, in his new capacity as someone who works in business operations and fan engagement, he was front and center. But he also had his two oldest daughters there. And I found myself during the ceremony as Eli was talking to the crowd uh, in the concourse at MetLife, I found myself watching his two daughters and thinking to myself, I wonder how they view Eli, their father, as the quarterback of the Giants. You know, because you're talking about kids who really weren't around when Eli had the highs of the highs and created his legacy here with the Giants. Now, obviously, his legacy has continued, but... For his kids and his role as a father, uh, I just thought it was something that struck me, you know, who has a a young family uh, and my daughter and my wife. And I think about how they view me when I'm out covering events. And then I saw Eli and it was kind of funny. I'll share this story and then we'll go right into the Eli interview. But I think it kind of gives a picture of who Eli is right now, is that it was myself and three other reporters there to to talk to Eli, to ask him about the season and what it feels like to be back in the stadium for the first time uh, since he retired. Because remember last year there were the COVID restrictions, so he was not in the stadium for a game at all. So the last time he was in it was when he walked off in uniform for the last time. You know, we were getting ready to interview Eli and one of his daughters came over and kind of tapped him on the wallet, on the pocket. And it was actually his wallet. And Eli joked, he actually gave her a credit card and he joked and he said, never stop being a dad. She was hungry. So she had to go over to one of the concession stands. So right there, Eli Manning, the most decorated quarterback in Giants history, had to worry about getting his daughter some food about an hour before the game. Who hasn't been there, right? You bring your kids to the game and you're thinking about the spread, you're thinking about how the game's going to play out. For years, all Eli thought about was how he was going to execute the game plan and what would happen if the defense overloaded to a side and covered a receiver differently than they prepared. In that moment, he was probably thinking about whether or not she was going to go buy a hot dog, a hamburger. They're going to get one soda or two. Was she going to take care of her younger sister? So life as a quarterback is a lot different than life as a season ticket holder and a dad who brings his kids to the game on Sunday. So without further ado, even though the man needs no introduction, here's my intro and our interview with Eli Manning. Well, if you're going to name your podcast all in, there's nobody better to bring on than the guests that we're going to have now. Two time Super Bowl champion, two time Super Bowl MVP, Walter Payton, man of the year. And now, from what I understand, the best youth basketball assistant coach in New Jersey, Eli Manning. Welcome to All In. Thank you very much for joining me. Oh, thanks so much, Art. Uh, Happy to be on. You know, this is obviously a special week for you and the Giants. Uh, I know you were there at MetLife for the season opener. Did being back in the building for you for the first time as a fan help ease some of the emotions, prepare you for what you might be feeling on Sunday? Uh, yeah, I think so. Definitely. Um, you know, it was weird last year, just not being able to, uh, go to the games, not being allowed to really go to the facility. And, you know, you, you retire, uh, you know, from, from a place and, um, you know, you're used to going in there every single day, you know, almost for the year, you might take a, a month off in January, February, some years, but others you're in there and, and, and then all of a sudden, the, you know, the pandemic hits, you're not even allowed in, in the building. And it's, uh, 
not just for the players. And, you know, I didn't know a lot of the coaches were new, but it's the video guys and the film guys and the people in the training room and the cafeteria. These are all your buddies and your friends that you've known for 16 years. And there's not a, a whole lot of, uh, 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 you know, turnover uh, in the Giants organization. And so just not seeing any of those people not being allowed in was was tough. And um, but I think just yeah, going to the game last week, uh, being in the in the building one time again with fans and everything and, and not to not be on the sideline, not playing. I think will kind of help the transaction uh, and get me ready for this weekend. Can you believe it's been 10 years since Super Bowl 46? You know, it's going by fast, right? It, you know, uh, every, everything's going by quickly. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I can, I'm kind of, uh, I always know how long it's been just because my daughter was, was born that year. She was just a few months, uh, you know, almost almost to a year by the time uh, we, we got to the Super Bowl. So, you know, she's 10 now. And uh, and so I know it's, you know, know it's been 10 years. And um, but, you know, that'll be that'll be a fun weekend as well to to celebrate um, with my teammates from that year. And, you know, uh, some of us, you know, stay together and, and chat and talks, you know, but people are living all over the country. So you get to, you know, get to see a, a handful of those guys, you know, throughout the year, uh, others you're kind of on some text, uh, text chains with, but for a lot of them, you know, have not seen in a few years. So I always look forward to get together, get to hang with them for a weekend and, and re- reminisce about that, that great um, uh, season that we had. You know, with with Jason Pierre-Paul in the Super Bowl this this past year, uh, I had the opportunity to talk to some of your teammates uh, on the defensive side of the ball who were on a text chain together. Uh, Justin Tuck, OCU Manura, Dave Tollefson, the list goes on, Matthias Kiwanuka. And they said that they formed that text chain to almost help them adjust to life away from football. I'm curious if you had... Uh, leaned on some of your former teammates who had exited the game before you did in terms of making that transition to kind of back into, you know, quote unquote, ordinary life. Yeah. I mean, I I think, um, you know, since I, I I outlasted a lot of the guys, uh, you know, I was kind of on those text chains with them uh, beforehand and a lot of the (laughs) offensive linemen, Sean O'Hara and Chris Knee and Dave Dio and Kareem McKenzie and Richie Sorbert and Kevin Booth and, um, you know, that, that was kind of a, a text chain we'd been, we'd been on a long time ago. I didn't really realize that, uh, I was kind of part of that support group until I retired and all of a sudden, you know, I'm reaching out a lot more, uh, to them, you know, they're, they're right. you know, they would send, they would send a lot of texts while we were in practice or after games, kind of giving me heat while I was still playing about, you know, a bad slide or, you know, <laughs> th- throw the ball away and, and, you know, talking like all offensive linemen do. And so all of a sudden, uh, you know, some of them I didn't respond to just because, you know, I, I was the blood of the joke. But now that I was retired, I had a lot more time to fire off some text messages and, and stay in touch with those guys. So, uh, yeah, you didn't realize when you kind of get done that you, know, you got a little bit more free time and you're watching the games as, we're you know, we're all, you know, sitting there watching Giants games every week. You're kind of, you know, firing texts off to those guys and, and reminiscing on funny stories that happened while we were playing. Jeez, those guys are really bust your chops, huh? I, I wouldn't know yeah, that. Yeah, it's shocking, shocking. Can't <laughs> believe it. Not, not that crew. <laughs> when you when you reflect on your career here, and obviously you can leave out the Super Bowls and the playoffs because those are the, the easy ones. Is there a game that had special meaning for you at the time that maybe, you know, those of us outside of the Giants didn't really get it, didn't know, maybe whether it's personal that sticks out to you other than, you know, the games we always talk about? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's always an, uh, always important ones. Uh, and, you know, each has its own uh, own reasoning. You know, your, your first win in the NFL, a home game versus the Cowboys, you know, my rookie season where I'd lost six games. And so, I mean, you're just thinking, hey, I'm going into an offseason if I went into the all season, having lost, you know, every single game, zero and seven, it's not, you know, you're not really feeling that great uh, about things. So just to get that one win, uh, just to have something to 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 kind of build off, to celebrate on, uh, to you know take it, you know, take some confidence into that off season, I think was a huge deal. And and, and you know to go into that next off season and 
and end up winning winning the NFC East and 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 going eleven and five and uh, you know making the playoffs. Kind of having that flip was, was a huge a huge deal. Uh, you know that yeah that same year in two thousand five. You know winning uh, home game versus the Broncos on, on the last play hitting a Monty Tumor. Um, you know when uh, Wellington Mara uh, was on his uh, you know on his deathbed and and to watch you know last game that he got to watch. Um, you know, just on TV from the hospital. So I knew, knew what he was going through and the, the Mara family and, and, uh, you know, uh, Bob, you know, Bob Tish was kind of in the same boat and very sick at that time and just passed a, a few weeks later. So, um, you know, that was a, that was an important, important game. And, um, you know, so I think those are, you know, some of the ones early on, I think the, the Atlanta Falcons playoff game to win a playoff game, in, in your home stadium was was obviously a great um, a great win and a great feeling. I think the team kind of knew that one with the Falcons, right? A little timing for this Sunday uh, for there you, you and, and your your Ring of Honor ceremony. You know, in, you obviously have a new job with the Giants in business operations and fan activities. And I had the chance two Sundays ago on the season opener to be outside the Legacy Club when you guys had the rib, ribbon cutting festivities for Hackensack, Meridian Health and the Giants, and two of your daughters were there. And I found myself a father myself uh, of watching your daughters react to you as, you know, you're cutting the ribbon, you were giving, you know, saying some words. And I caught myself wondering what was going through their minds, and clearly they see you as dad. I'm just curious, what do you think your kids know about Eli Manning, Giants quarterback? You know, they've seen it a little bit. And my two oldest daughters, so they're 10 and eight so that you know they've been around the last few years uh to, to see um you know to see me go through games and to play and and so um you know they, they they're excited about going to the games i think they're excited about going to the game and, and sitting with me they've never watched you know kind of a, a live you know giants game with me and 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 so uh it was fun to kind of get to talk uh, talk ball with them a little bit, explaining some of the rules and, and everything going on. And, and so they enjoyed it. Um, you know, we did the ribbon cutting, like you said, for Hackensack, uh, Meridian Health. And, and uh, my daughter, right before she kind of asked if maybe she could do the cutting instead. I was like, sure, I'll, I'll make an announcement that no, none of the executives, the CEO of Hackensack and the president, they will uh, hand over and, and, relieve their duties to my eight-year-old daughter, Lucy. So um, she was disappointed when I didn't follow through. She didn't, I guess, didn't see my sarcasm when I told her I would do it. But, uh, uh, you know, but I think they've, um, I think they like having me, you know, at home uh, now and, and uh, you know, just kind of know me as, as a normal dad and, and, and hanging out and, and, you know, coaching some of their, their sports teams. Uh, you mentioned that coaching their sports teams. What uh, what's the biggest lesson you learned? I know you coach basketball. Anything else? Yeah. Any other sports? Uh, coached some softball. Did some assistant for the softball team and kind of helped out with a few uh, when, whenever needed uh, for the other ones, just because I was already you know certified and passed all my right. you know, all, all all the things. I didn't know. I kind of agreed to do some of the uh, the coaching. I just kind of thought you. Yeah, you said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. And you show up, um, you know, some of the, uh, you know, uh, tests you got to take and the zooms and the getting certified and, uh, all the things, it was like eight hours of prep. I, I didn't know I was, uh, kind of what I was getting into. So, um, I'm very, you know, very well prepared now for any, anything that may happen on a court or on a, on a playing field. But, um, you know, so I think, uh, you know, just had had a lot of fun with it. Just kind of seeing them in their in their element. Uh, tried to, you know, uh, you know, I kind of realized that you know, good chance my 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 girls are not going to play professional uh, basketball or, or professional uh, softball by any means. Uh, you know, but just try to get them to have fun. I think sports are so important. Just the learning how to deal with uh, defeat, how to deal with success. Uh, how to be a, a great teammate, you know, a, a great work ethic on, and, and, and taking, uh, you know, as I told them, kind of how my dad treated us growing up with all our sports, whether football, when we played baseball and basketball all through high school is that, you know, I'm there for them. But if they want to, you know, if they want me to go shoot hoops with them or, or go play catch and now they're playing lacrosse and all these other sports, I said, just ask me and I'll, I'll go out there with you, but I'm not going to make you 
go out there. I'm not going to be the dad saying, hey, you got to you got to make, you know, 50 free throws before you can come in for dinner. That That's not my <laughs> style. It's about, you know, ha- having fun, playing a game of horse, laughing, uh, creating family time. And, and, and if they do take a great interest in something, being there to support them, if they want to get better, you know, hey, I'll go feed you you know, free throws all night long if you want to if you want to get better and, and happy to help with you with anything. But I want you to take the initiative on it. You mentioned your dad, Archie. Obviously, he had his quite, quite a career himself uh, in the NFL. Uh, but I looked it up. If I did my math correct, you were three when he retired from the NFL. So how did you come to learn about your father's legacy? And do you find yourself, you know, say when Charlie, who I believe is two now, right, when he comes to you yeah. and asks – you know, dad, tell me about your playing career. How, what did you learn from then yourself that maybe you'd share, you know, with your own yeah. kids? Yeah. Like, like you said, I don't, I don't remember my dad as a football player. Um, you know, growing up, I, I, I you know, figured it out. Uh, he was, you know, he was calling games on the radio uh, for the Saints. So we would go to every home Saints game and people would be shouting his name and, you know, asking for a, a handshake or a picture or whatnot. And, and so we'd see him, but then he would go through the booth and we would, you know, Peyton and Coop and I would go to the game and sit in the stands and, and watch the Saints game and then, uh, you know, meet him afterwards. And we would get to go uh, into the locker room sometimes and meet some of the players, which is a great thrill. And, and But, you know, I learned a lot about, uh, you know, you know, really learned kind of more from my dad uh, about – uh, being in a professional football player or dealing with success or dealing with the uh, fans just by more about the, the way he acted and just how he treated people, how he, he took every picture, he shook every hand, he was polite, uh, he was generous to everybody, you know, how he got involved in the community in New Orleans, you know, so I saw kind of more that side of my dad than actual kind of football and, and uh, you know, him playing. And, you know, obviously – you know, we took road trips and, and were together, you know, going to different sporting events and asked them questions about players as I learned or stories and, and things came up as I got into uh, playing more football, kind of as I got into high school, I was playing high school football and got interested in, hey, what is cover two? What is a, you know, a zone blitz or, you know, what, are, you know, what, how do you know the difference between man and zone? Um, you know, you start asking some of those questions and he could provide those things um but he never got so involved he was never you know going to the our, our high school head coach and saying hey you should be running this play or you should be running that play he, he really just let us kind of live out our our high school and college and professional athletic careers he kind of said hey i did mine i had my part i'm not trying to live my my athletic career through you i'm just i'm here to support you i'm, I'm here to uh, answer any questions and, and be be a you know uh, you know be a guide for you, but I'm not I'm not going to get overly involved. Gotcha. Your prank your pranks are are legendary around here around the Giants. Everybody always talks Eli's pranks, Eli's pranks. I'm curious if your kids are old enough yet to be your targets, or have <laughs> they turned it around on you? Are they coming for you yet? Yeah, you know, uh, definitely definitely uh, get them. Get them with a few things, um, you know. Some of them, you kind of learn which ones can take it, which ones can handle it. Uh, you know, the five-year-old or the six-year-old doesn't really take a prank all that well. Uh, <laughs> you know, I can't shockingly, but uh, uh, my ten-year-old, my oldest one, is is pretty has a pretty good, uh, you know, a pretty good sport about it. She kind of understands it, and and she's pretty good. She got me the other day, um, you know, you know, this summer's you know a hot hot day. And we get in the car and I'm driving her somewhere. We got a little road trip going and I'm driving. I'm like, golly, I just cannot cool down in this car. I'm just sweating. My back is sweating. Come to you know, realize, you know, she kind of was asking, she, she was pretending to, you know, turn up the volume on the, on the radio. And, um, she turned on my, my heat warmer, uh, my heated <laughs> seats. So it's like a hundred degrees. I got the the heated seats blaring full blast on my back. And so she's just dying laughing the whole time. And I couldn't figure out why until I finally saw it, but she held, you know, she was good. She held it. She didn't break. She didn't break and, and give it up. She didn't start laughing or, or say, Hey, is your back hot right now or anything? <laughs> she, she kind of, you know, she kept pretty straight face the whole time. And, 
And, uh, you know, so I was, I was proud. I was a little angry, not angry, but, uh, you know, upset. My, my, my shirt was ruined because it was totally, you know, it swept through it. But uh, it was also a proud moment that she has kind of the prank, the prank gene and, you know, nothing harmless, you know, uh, very harmless, nothing harmful, not ruining anything. Just, you know, something we can both laugh about. That's great. Well, keep her off that text chain with Deal and O'Hara and those guys or else you really be in trouble. No doubt. Um, you shared with us on Twitter, shared with the Twitterverse, which is, you know, everybody's welcomed you with open arms. You've been great on that. Uh, your son, Charlie's first Eli face. <laughs> and how did that come about? And is it just natural or were you guys just having some fun? <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, he was, he was, uh, we're doing a little, uh, construction and stuff in, in our front yard and our driveway. So we had some uh you know excavators and and um and 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 you know types of equipment in in, in the driveways you know everybody was kind of gone for the day or as a weekend and he loves getting in them and and running around you know like a two-year-old having a big you know an excavator in the backyard is pretty pretty exciting and um and so we you know cruising around i just took you know i took a picture of him in there and just looked at it and kind of for the first time saw that he was kind of make. i was like i've seen that face before that's when i <laughs> You know, it's when the camera always shows me on a sideline uh, of me making that stupid face. And so, uh, you know, I just, it just, it, I just saw it and, and thought, you know, hey, that's, uh, I think, I think the Twitter world would appreciate, or the Giants fans would appreciate uh, this face that's got a little of attention. And, and so just, you know, had some, tried to have some fun with it. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite photo of Charlie from your, a retirement press conference was when he was kind of oohing oo and on himself watching his reflection in the Vince Lombardi trophy. That was always cool. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, what, that's what a, a one-year-old is interested in. So, <laughs> exactly. yeah, reflections at one, uh, any, any equipment, any large machinery at age two. So hopefully by age three, four, maybe – Maybe sports will get in the mix. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you and Peyton had your Monday Night Football debut, and I have to say it was everything I expected and more. I know you did a lot of work to get ready for it, uh, but I'm guessing nothing can prepare you for the real thing. Were you able to forget that the cameras were there at all and just be in the moment with Peyton, being yourselves? Because that's how it felt as viewers, so it came across that way. Uh, I'm just curious for your perspective. Is that kind of how it went down? Yeah, I, I really thought it did. And, you know, once we just got into the, the flow of things, I think there was, you know, there's always that like uncertainty when you're doing something for the first time on, on, hey, are we, are you prepared enough? Do we have enough material? Do we have enough stuff, you know, not related to the game to bring up or, or you know, what's too much football, what's not enough, you know, trying to find that, that mix. But, um, yeah, I, I think once we kind of got rolling and, and, you know, we, you know, we just started – making fun of each other, making fun of ourselves, you know, bringing in some guests, just talking football. I think once you – really, that's the key. Like, hey, let's talk football. That's what we know. That's what we did for so long. Um, you know, we don't have to have a whole lot scripted just because something's going to happen in the game that is going to bring up a story, that's going to bring up uh, a fun fact. It's going to be a, a, a lesson that we can teach about football or coverage or a cool play uh, that we have something similar. So there's going to be enough of those things that happen that, that we can just, we can, we can go on and talk about. And, um, I think once we kind of just got into that and, and let the, let the football and the game kind of be the source of all our, our future material, uh, we, we got very relaxed and calm and, and very natural. Nowadays, you guys do look very calm and natural in front of the camera, doing all sorts of things from commercials to TV spots, from your perspective, do you remember the first time your first commercial, your first TV spot, and were there nerves? Where you know what it was? Uh, I can't remember the very first one. Um, you know, one of the earliest ones. It's still you know I kind of still see it playing every once in a while. For we did it for for ESPN, and and uh, it was my dad and Cooper and and my mom and Peyton kind of doing the tour. Of, of Bristol there and, and Peyton, you know, I'm giving Peyton a wet willy. He's punching me. He's kicking me in the butt. My dad kind of turns around and, and gives that dad look, um, you know, like, like, you know, two kids in the back of a car, 
who, who you know, won't, won't stop touching each other. And, you know, all of a sudden the parent gives that look saying, hey, if y'all touch, touch each other again, I'm pulling this car over and I'm going to come back there. And, you don't, you, don't, you know, you don't want that. So uh, I, I give that look now. I, I knew it too well when I was that age. But, uh, you know, that was kind of one of the first ones. You know, I do my best work when I have no lines. I've realized I, I continue. That's my best my best acting, no lines. But, uh, uh, you know, it's with your family, with your brother. I think any time you can do it, uh, you know, with Peyton, it just it, it, it makes you more relaxed. You kind of, you know, uh, can maybe get off script a little bit and, and make it, you know, more more improv and realistic because you're using your own words and um, and you have a little fun uh, doing it during the downtime because you're kind of talking about, hey, what, you know, you know, something funny comes up as you're uh, you make a mistake and you start laughing and all of a sudden like they're like, yeah, we're going to use that. Let's do let's do that <laughs> instead. Uh, and so those are always more fun. You can do it with your family members. Ever save any any of the souvenirs? You know, I, I remember the direct TV stuff you guys did with the football on your phone. Did you Yeah, a couple of the mustaches. I think anytime <laughs> I have to wear a mustache, I usually keep keep the mustache. Uh just you know, just for you know, Halloween, uh when I, you know, go out and, and uh you know wanna wanna we don't wanna be don't want to be recognized. Uh, and now now I'm I'm an, it's an old timer, it doesn't matter, but I was playing, I like to go out with my kids and didn't really want people, you know, having to stop for pictures. I just wanted to be kind of with my family. So uh, I have a good collection of, of mustaches that, that come in handy. <laughs> yeah, those wigs were also great. A uh, couple of wigs. We, yeah, we usually do at the end of the, at the, end of the show uh, a two-minute drill. One football question and then three kind of off the beat uh, questions. So if you're up for that, we're ready to go. Shoot. Okay. Uh, which team did you enjoy beating the most? Cowboys, Eagles, or Washington? Uh, probably the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, you know, it's just uh, we can like one word answers. Or you want like long story? No, no, you can you can elaborate. No problem. You can elaborate. Uh, I mean, I guess you know, just you know, another one of those great wins. We opened up and uh, opened up their new stadium um, in two thousand nine, and you know, had a great win there. Uh, had, you know, had. Uh, that 2011 season late in the year, you know, uh, beat, beat them. Uh, we're down, down late in the fourth quarter, had two scoring drives and take the lead and win that game. And then turned around and played them two weeks later in New York to win, to clinch a spot in the playoffs. Um, so I think there's some of those, those wins, um, you know, beating them in the playoffs in 2007. So just had some, you know, had some important wins versus the Cowboys, uh, you know that that led to led to a couple Super Bowls, so I'd say those are those are the favorite. Yeah, I was gonna kind of tilt the the question and throw in the Patriots in there, but I figured let me just stick with the NFC East. Yeah. Um, okay, what is the best meal you've ever had? Um, that's a tough tough question. You know, we go. Um, you know, my all my family's from Mississippi. My my, my dad's from Mississippi. My mom, and so. We usually get back there every year um, uh, for this like little county fair in the Shoba County, Mississippi, not far from my from my mom. And every every you know um, you know it's like a kind of a reunion type deal. And we stay there on the grounds and uh, on and that Saturday, um, you know, for lunch we have a big you know country style meal and it's uh, you know fried fried chicken and, and butter beans and black eyed peas and green beans and cream corn and uh, cornbread and and you know every every vegetable you know cooked with as much you know butter and bacon as possible and and uh, mm. so it's just kind of a big big country meal and, and it's one you know I, I had I haven't been um, the last two years I'm kind of craving that big country meal so I think that's kind of my favorite one. That sounded like your your face kind of lit up there. That's that's yeah. pretty good. Uh, if you were going to binge watch one TV show, what would it be? And I have to admit, I kind of think I know where you're going, but I'll ask the question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess the only show I probably have been binge-watched is Seinfeld, and, and still still a big Seinfeld fan. If it's on, I kind of got to watch it. But, you know, I've been saying for years I want to go back and and uh, and kind of – there's maybe two shows that say, hey, I want to go back from, you know, episode one, season one, and just watch it all the way through. It's it's Seinfeld, and the other one is Sopranos. Uh, I, I do it ah. with Sopranos as well. 
you kind of have to say Sopranos if you're now a Jersey guy, right? Jersey guy, yeah, exactly. And, and I caught on. I don't think like the first couple seasons. I was I was you know still kind of young and and uh, I I don't know if I got it all. So I'd like to go back now and kind of and, and start over. With Seinfeld, what's your what's your best episode? What's your what's your favorite? Oh, oh man, they're so uh, you know the, the thing is like you say the great thing about Seinfeld is you like hey my favorite one is you know man hands you know dating the girls that man hands but then you realize you watch the show there's like so many other good things happened on that show it's not like just one thing happened it's all you know you know something's happening to george something's happening to kramer there you know everything's you know there's so many different uh you know kind of subplots going on that, that that's what makes it so good the last one on seinfeld your favorite who's who's your favorite jerry george kramer or Elaine? george no, George is my favorite just because he, he just like he just can't let anything go. Like he, he's <laughs> got to say something like if something's not quite right. You know, if, if, you know, someone, you know, he bought the sandwich, but Elaine gave it to you and he didn't get the thanks. Like he's like he's got that, that bothersome. That like really, really bothersome. And he's got to he's got to mention it. And I think the fact that I'm like totally the opposite like nothing bothers me i never get upset about anything like i don't want to be thanked like and just the fact that like he everything is just like you know just not right if it's not right it's gonna bother him and he's got to bring it up and he's got to you know create some big issue uh it just just kind of makes me laugh i'm ending the two minute drill uh short because that was a touchdown answer that was tremendous and i didn't <laughs> i thought you were going to say the office honestly i didn't realize that uh I thought you watched The Office a little bit too. At least I, I do. That. I do. I do watch The Office and, and big Michael Scott fan. And so, gotcha. uh, yeah, so they're all good. Uh, last one. You're, uh, I'm imagining now you're standing there on the stage on Sunday and they pull that curtain and the number 10 and your name is up there on the ring of honor. Give me a, an idea of what's running through your mind. Are you thinking, Thinking family, friends. Does your mind go blank? What do you What are you thinking in that moment? You think? Yeah, yeah. I just I think I'll just you know think about all the great moments um, I've had I've had up here the, the you know the past sixteen years and the sixteen seasons with the Giants, the friendships, the coaches, um, you know the you know teammates and and the friends in the area who you know fans and supporters and, and just, you know, going to the games, the celebrations after the games with teammates, with friends and family, um, you know, you, you just, you, you remember the good times and you remember the good things. And there's, there's so many good ones to remember. There are tough moments too, that you learn from, but you know, you, you, at that moment, you kind of tend to easily forget those and, and just embrace, uh, you know, the great times and, and to kind of get to do it one more time in the stadium to get to, you know, uh, hopefully celebrate a win with the team, but have a great moment, get to celebrate with friends and family and teammates uh, during and after the game will be a great joy. Eli, I got to thank you very much. I know it's a busy week and you're all over the place, but I do appreciate you taking the time here and looking forward to seeing you on Sunday. Obviously, enjoy the moments, enjoy the memories, like you said, and Enjoy the family. It's, you know, maybe catch a ba- I'll catch a basketball game you're coaching in at some point, and we'll I'll analyze you the way we try to analyze Tom Coughlin, right? <laughs> Perfect. I look forward to it. Thanks so much, Art. Thank you very much, Eli. So there we have our interview with Eli Manning. I couldn't thank him enough for the time he gave us, especially at a crunch on a Monday. As I said, the things that he's got going on for Monday Night Football. He's a busy man, but if there are ever a week to tap into Eli Manning's knowledge and his experience and his memory bank. It would be this one. I mean, how do you beat the stuff about Seinfeld? The idea that, you know, the the Mannings are starting to see Charlie making the Eli face. How about the pranks for his daughter? Turning up the heated seats. That that's something that that you can't beat. And obviously Eli is now in a situation with his kids, the way Archie, his father was, I wanted to make sure we touched on that. So it's going to be some crowd for Eli on Sunday against the Falcons. I would imagine there will be tears flowing. I would imagine there'll be, be a lot of laughs, especially if his former teammates are there. We'll see if Peyton makes an appearance. I'm sure Archie and Olivia will be there. His parents, The one question I posed on Twitter was, 
if the Giants try to pull off kind of a scene the way they did when Phil Simms had his number retired, where Phil Simms threw his quote-unquote last pass to Lawrence Taylor, who would you want Eli Manning's last pass to go to? And it was actually an interesting Twitter poll, and the four choices I had given, but then I also knew there would be others mentioned in the replies, were Amani Toomer, Plaxico Burris, Victor Cruz, and David Tyree. Now, I would have fit Mario Manningham in there as well, Hakeem Nix. Uh, I don't think Jeremy Shockey would have ever come, obviously. Odell Beckham Jr. is preparing for his season opener with Cleveland, and I probably would term their relationship as thawed, but still a little frosty. So I don't think Odell would be coming into town to, to celebrate Eli under these circumstances. But surprisingly, I think there were a lot more people who wanted to go current and judge based on who Eli would throw the ball to. So the winner of the Twitter poll was actually Victor Cruz at 34%. Plaxico Burris was 29%. David Tyree was 20 And Amani Toomer was 17. If I had a guess now, and I don't have these details, if the Giants try to pull off something like that, it will be Amani Toomer. Amani Toomer is already in the Ring of Honor for the Giants. And I think they would like that Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor. Uh, I think the other guys will be in attendance. But if I had a guess, I'd say it would be Amani that, that Eli would throw a pass to. You know, who knows? Maybe they give him a couple footballs and he throws... To a bunch of those guys. I know that some have mentioned, you know, Justin Tuck and have Eli throw a pass to Justin Tuck like Sims did to LT. Uh, I don't know if I'd go that route. I just want Justin Tuck to be there, uh, kind of be a part of the celebration, not necessarily throwing. And then obviously Michael Strahan was mentioned, but I think his work commitments out in LA for Fox will probably prevent even him being in the stadium for it. He'll be back, obviously, this year for his jersey retirement. So maybe he doesn't come to kind of overshadow Eli a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, But to the game itself, I know there will be a lot of attention given to Eli, but this game is monumental. So I figured I'd close the show with some thoughts on the game itself. Look, the Giants need this one. You know, and the hard part is... Daniel Jones had the blueprint for his success. He was outstanding against Washington. Was he perfect? No, but he was outstanding. No turnovers, was on point. The rushing game was, you know, the option rushing game was great. The problem is, is that, and Daniel Jones even said it, you know, we didn't win, so, you know, I have to do more. I think they have to resist the temptation of Jones trying to play a little hero ball. He's at his best without playing hero ball, and Joe Judge said that. So I think Jones, if he could play a similar game against Atlanta, look, they've given up 80 points in two weeks. These Falcons are not the same defense as Washington or Denver. Saquon Barkley should have a good game this week, statistically and emotionally, and it should be impactful. Jones should be able to spread the ball around, and this defense should be able to get after Matt Ryan a little bit force him into mistakes. This is not going to be a walkover. This is not going to be a cakewalk. The Falcons are going to come in here and scrap. I mean, they gave Tampa a little bit of a scare in that second half before Matt Ryan threw back-to-back pick sixes. This defense has got to get it straightened out. They've got to put pressure on Matt Ryan. They've got to play well on the back end. No easy runs through the middle of the field. You can't let Adam Humphreys destroy you on the inside. You know, it was nickel and diamond. They were getting killed by paper cuts. That You just can't have that happen. So I expect a big week from this defense. Uh, in the end, who can hurt the Giants if you're on Atlanta? Calvin Ridley can hurt them big time. Kyle Pitts, the rookie tight end, can hurt them big time. Matt Ryan, if he's given... An opportunity, he can hurt them. Will Cordell Patterson, will he have the kind of impact that he had as a backup running back last week? We know Joe Judge loves him from his time together on special teams in New England. But if 
Cordero Patterson beats you, then you deserve to be 0-3. And I know there is that fear from the Giants fans that this game will be one that they regret at the end of it. But I haven't given up on this team in terms of being able to beat teams at their level. And in my mind, they're going to win this game because they're the better football team. I believe that. And I do think at the end of the day, they come out on top. They cover the spread. I'll say 34-24. Giants win by 10. Not as easy as it may appear on the scoreboard, but I do think that this offense clicks and this defense comes up with a couple plays late to kind of put this one away. And then at 1-2, and two, you're in the NFC East. You're probably chasing just one team because of that game with the Cowboys and the Eagles. Maybe Washington goes up to Buffalo and wins. But you're right there. You have to get off to Schneid. You have to win one game. And then you go on the road for two against the Saints and the Cowboys. And when that two-game stretch is done, then you truly have a, a feeling of where you are, middle of October, where this season is going. So I want to thank Eli Manning for joining us, producer Paul Wood for all he does for this show, and I want to thank you, the fans. We doubled our download count, listening count, in one week. Two weeks ago, then to last week, and now we're hoping for a big one this week, a big leap, and we have you to thank for listening, for subscribing, for downloading on all your favorite podcast platforms. We appreciate the investment you have with the New York Giants, the emotional attachment that you have to the team that you root for, win or lose. You come on Twitter, you engage and yell and scream about this team through good times and bad. It's the marriage that you can't quit. And we know how much you love the New York Giants and how attached you are and how invested you are. And because of that, that's why we are all in.